0: day one at the Embedded World in Nuremberg. Welcome to episode 52 of the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. I'm your host Georg Laura, and this is the podcast for everybody who is interested in having more success in his embedded project work. As you have seen guys or as you have experienced all things have gone different at least for this podcast. So my exhaustion lasted longer than expected, so I have roughly now three months gone since the last episode, but um, yeah, it, it was a little bit of a problem here, so my actual projects in addition took that much energy from myself, but I didn't find the time to prepare anything at that time. So, but now, what do I have done in the meantime, yeah? First of all, uh, from the fourteenth to sixteenth of March where was the embedded world exhibition in Nuremberg and I spent two days there capturing details, gathering expressions, uh, gathering impressions, achieving information. And on the other side, for all these three months since before Christmas 2016 I started to work on my YouTube channel so what does it mean I have I'm preparing two different channels one is for mastering embedded systems what's the podcast you hear now here and I have two videos in under preparation for the embedded world one bill will be ready the moment this episode is released and there is another channel upcoming I will name it mastering your project and it's one video already prepared and there will be a series of videos which are already in my schedule, discussing things like managing projects, planning projects, how to deal with risks, how to manage task forces, things like that, that will be all managed in that channel. During these three months, I have learned a lot about photography and making videos. So it was a long, long learning curve. And well, I was first of all, I was looking for cutting software, how to handle the camera. I'm actually using a Canon 70D camera and also a Panasonic Lumix, one of the small ones, and the microphones and all these other kind of stuff you need to provide these details and i try to get into the right spots where and also the discussion about how to how to capture how to record uh, audio during during videography that's really a challenge but now i have gathered enough material to compose two video episodes about the embedded world. So the moment this episode is released, the first day video episode will be released too. So you have the opportunity to have not only my verbal explanation in this episode, but also pictures and videos. The only thing you need to do is to go to YouTube, select my channel and stream the videos. Of course, the link is available in the show notes at embeddedsuccesscom episode 52. But now let's jump right into it. Stay tuned and be inspired. As you guys know, the Embedded World is one of the biggest, or at least most likely the biggest exhibition-belonging embedded systems in the world. So, I first concentrated on these two days, once again on the more smaller players, companies who are not located in the main floors of the exhibition halls. If you walk around with open eyes, you very often find smaller companies with great offers, nice ideas, or also surprising solutions. But what was the main topic at this Embedded World once again, it's I in uh, internet of things it's still the most hot topic and but what now has changed from last year so last year it was mainly on the technical aspect so giving details about sensors and their, uh, connectivity about analysis and handling of data about storing the data in the cloud for example but this year it has slightly changed or even mainly change the aspect so we are no longer discussing about this technical okay we still discuss about the technical details but we are also discussing now about or the focus is more on how to connect each of these layers with each other so how does iot looks like as a solution for problems not only as something the not new hot stuff which is sufficient or satisfying itself but what is the solution how does it can um, produce a solution for whom. And of course, as I have already highlighted last year, which will come up the security of IoT. That's a, ma- a major part. And here I then want to jump in about a major topic because I have had at the booth of Qualcomm, there was Rambus, a company where I have had uh, with the chief engineer, Matthew Orson, I have had a quite amazing talk about hardware security in the Qualcomm chips. I have started with the question, Um, Matthew, let's imagine I do have such a marvelous home automation in place, so everything works like a charm. But now, 50 meters away, some hacker sits comfortably in his car and starts to hack my sensors. So not the Wi-Fi, not the WLAN, not the Ethernet connection, not the, the DSL connection, but simply my sensors. Finally, the hacker will overtake or might overtake my whole house, get access to my NAS documents, not via the internet, but directly via these some some dump sensors I have used in my environment. What about that? How do you handle it in at, at Rambas? What are your ideas? And then... Matthew explained to me that the Rambus technology enables seamless security-focused features which includes mutual authentication and encrypted communication. These unique security features protect IoT devices from being used by hackers in malicious botnets or prevent the IoT cloud service from being attacked by co devices. So what we do is actually in the Qualcomm chips there is an extra hardware part integrated that are factory keys which are installed of course in the factories. So we are applied in a high security environment and you know this kind of high security environments if you are running your own browser private key infrastructure, you you need to have a system with no connection to the outside, with a separate power support, no network connectivity, no internet, no wired network, a completely separate and secured room. And here inside, the factory keys are created and applied to the device. So the factory's keys are created during runtime, or they create during runtime their own runtime keys for authentication. So on, on, on top of these dynamically created keys, you then have the TLS, for example, running. For development purposes, Matthew, that was one of the amazing parts. he was a small box besides of him, and he said, "The hardware key implementation we use at Rambus, or we have provided, or we are no, we are selling at Rambus, is available as some kind of a software emula- emulation." identical to the hardware queue so it's possible to develop all these nasty details directly in the software part with an emulation which is of course also that well protected and here we have had only two of these boxes one is somewhere in 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 northern california or in southern i I don't remember so somewhere is in the silicon valley but on the other side we have this one box in front of his booth or in, in front of him on his desk in nuremberg if things go well, I will be able to schedule an interview with Asaf Ashkenazi from Rambas. Asaf is Senior Director of IoT Security Products and it was Matthew's suggestion that I will contact Asaf for a more intensive talk. And to be honest, in all this IoT hype, the security aspect does not yet have the attention it definitely desires. So I will get stuck on that. I will continue discussing and finding interesting partners belonging IoT security for sure. Belonging interesting solution in the IoT area I stumbled over the booth of IEI Integration Corporation. That's a small, very innovative company from Taiwan, and they provide innovative gateways to IoT. So that's a typical example how you can think ahead of IoT when only thinking about sensors who are connected or which are connected to a cloud storage. IEI provides a general solution from hardware to software. We provide a full integration into smart healthcare, smart retail, and transport. Home automation also industry four zero, so that's something like equipment managing, agriculture automation, and some other details here. So we maintain mainly monitoring and surveillance aspects, but also keep in mind the whole the whole ecosphere of of IoT and combine it together. So and I got an interesting short interview with one of them. Further details again available in the YouTube video. Another very interesting talk I have had with Laurent Magnès from uh, Microchips. This French guy in this company provided me some, some two different approaches how you can make things easier for w- with your solutions. One was we provided a fully transparent bridging between USB and Ethernet. I initially thought... Who the hell will need a bridge between USB and Ethernet? And that was also something which I which I asked him first. Simple answer by Laurent was the automotives. Car manufacturers very often do have big MCU controllers in their control system. But they do not ever have or they do often not have SGMI interfaces, which provide the facility to connect five devices or five chips for physical Ethernet connections. On the other side, we regularly do have USB connections. And Microchip Solutions now connects them directly with the more and more upcoming Ethernet-in-Cars technology. So it's, if I look, for example, for the LAN 7800 chip, we do already have a USB 3.1 to 1 gigabit Ethernet bridge connectivity. Microchips themselves write... The USB to Ethernet connection takes advantage of the ubiquity and speed of USB replacing older means of transferring information. USB-based networking technology offers a cost effective and smart design alternative to traditional PCI PCI Express networking solutions due to the high flexibility of routing and placement of Ethernet and USB connectivity ports. Microchip integrates high-speed USB 2.0, so it there is also 3.1 already available and high-performance 10, 100, and 1 gigabit Ethernet in its line of standalone USB-to-Ethernet controllers and USB-to-Ethernet hub controllers. That was a quote directly from Microchip. Another thing which Laurent presented to me was their Ethernet switch with integrated fault tolerance. In their exposure model, we were running 4 in a inner-ring connected Ethernet switches so we have simply four cameras which send packets via four different switches and the switches are connected in a ring and you could see on a, on, a, on a laptop how the packets are running. So of course not in, not in, uh, not in real time, not every packet, but main packets you, can, you could recognize. And you could, this kind of switches, these switches were able to detect automatically broken links and handle appropriately these kind of missing links. So it was amazing to see if you break one line of connection of the ring, the packets were automatically routed into the opposite direction, going the long way to arrive at their destination. After reconnection, the packets are again dynamically rerouted the short way. Also further details available and also pictures and video in the YouTube channel. Well, these were The main interesting parts of day one, I was only half of a day there because I have had to approach to to arrive at at, at Nuremberg. But there was one finding, which I already have had at the very first day. Without an eye catcher, nothing works. I have seen a lot of booths who were really boring. Only text posters, only some displays, and in front of a barrier, uh, or behind a barrier, and no exposed models. no highlighting exposures, nothing what catches your eye, only people standing inside looking to the outside. And sometimes you even do not recognize who is now observing whom. Is it the outside, the inside, or vice versa? (laughs) Really, really astonishing. But, But luckily, there are a lot of other interesting details who have taken into account that your eye grabs attention, but finally your ears will understand. One typical example was the barbecue station at Basler. I first smelt the nice taste of a German bratwurst right at noontime. And second, I detected where it came from. Basler's booth was headed by the logo Vision for Embedded, but what does it mean in the context of a Krill's bratwurst? All I detected was the robot with a barbecue tongue in its arms and the sausage on the krill on the, and a long list of subscribers, sadly, waiting for their lunch. Finally, I detected the small cameras over the top of the station and here Basler's logo vision for embedded became its meaning. Basler produces cameras, small cameras, cameras with nice direct interfaces like USB 3.0 or Ethernet. In a big variety of flavors, not the brothers of course, but the cameras, it was really interesting to have this massive piece of metal and electronics in my hand. You see how easy it is to draw someone's attention, tackle a different channel of sensation here at Basler, it was the olfactory channel giving a smell, a nice smell, of course, and you get everybody's attention. The other big eye catcher I remember was at the Intel's booth. A long queue of waiting people pulled my attraction. What were these people waiting for? I found my way through and fir- I first saw a BMW i8 car. That's less a car and more a smartphone on four wheels, but it's a marvelous piece of engineering, full of electronics, a special version of the regular plug-in hybrid sports car. But what really made it super interesting was the 3D interaction we provided outside and inside the car. The people were all waiting to make this experience to sit in a car and get the virtual impression of riding this masterpiece of an, of an automobile. I however do not know what exactly Intel tried to highlight or indicate with this exposure. Perhaps something like look at us, that's our other product we are engaged in, or at least we provide some pieces to assemble such a car. To be honest, I don't know how many parts in a BMI I8 directly came from Intel. Perhaps it's less or it's lower, it's in a lower two-digit range on the other side. It's a good eye-catcher to get people attracted to come closer to your booth and get in touch with the company. So, mission accomplished. Keep in mind, visiting such an exhibition is not only something to get in touch with newest technology, but also to get in touch with future employers. Perhaps also a good perspective or possibility to catch a technician to get some details about internal thinking, development approaches, and general understanding how such company ticks. So next time, if you could have the opportunity to visit the embedded world, also Get in touch with these companies if you are thinking about changing your job or having your first job. It's a good opportunity to have a slightly perspective into the company. Of course, not a full picture, but at least it could be a rather good picture. Are we innovative? What are we thinking? Do can I grab not only marketing or sales guys, but also technicians available? And what do they say about these details? And here I come to one of my one of my major observations and at least experiences, especially as I, as I was not only on my way with a microphone, but also with a camera. Some of the exhibitors are really interested to highlight details, explain to you and let you come into touch with your, your products. Others, however, seem to be only interested in direct customers having a checkbook in their hands already. So, I detected several times that they were not even interested in me um, as as a spectator or as as a visitor, but simply because I didn't look like someone who is directly buying their product. But there were also other details. So, especially if you explain that you are filming for a YouTube channel or you're collecting information for a podcast, I, in general, have met three different kinds of reactions. First, and that was the most neutral one. Where there was no change. It was some kind of a polite disinterest, but they give some answers, we give more answers, but you are not more or less when before you have told them what you are actually doing so Having mentioned such detail does not change their reaction, but you get all intuition that was that was really graceful, and that was a really good way to proceed, despite of that, there is also a second approach so that you meet with a refusal. So, especially with filming, some of the guys sometimes even reacted hysterically. Come on, boys! So, there is, that's an exhibition. So, we 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 don't want it to. I don't want to be filmed. No, 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 no way. That uh, that uh, the the products are not filmed here. So, that was really astonishing. You are you are there for showing your products. Statements. I received statements like, "We do not want to be filmed because all our secrets are shown." are shown in the products but such a statement is a little bit ridiculous because you are on an exhibition showing your products why do you have traveled to nuremberg then instead maybe to hide your products and solutions or where is the difference but anyway it's completely free and i was really happy that there is the third opportunity and i got an enhanced support and a wide openness that's of course my favorite reaction i i want to receive but it's very often I see with the owners of small companies, and of course the technical guys. If I get in touch with them, so first we, the small companies or the owners of small companies, and also smaller booths, do not regularly not have that big marketing budgets, and we will be happy for extra attention for which we do not have to pay in separate and the second so if you get in touch with the technical guys i regularly coined windswim when i started to raise some questions showing them that i'm not some kind of a dumb journal journalist but an engineer like them so the moment we get warmed up the good talk starts and also these details you can see in the in the youtube video i have uh, captured several small pieces of the of the interviews directly into the video These were my major impressions from my first day at the embedded world. Of course, there were were a lot more of details, a lot more of aspects. However, I cannot give you the full big picture. For that purpose, you would have to travel by yourself. Sorry for that. Uh, But I would be very happy if you could pick some of the most interesting details for you. I will highlight some links in the show notes too. My major aspect, however, is the YouTube video, which will be released the same time with this episode. It's only a rather short video of a little bit more than 10 minutes, but it was a hell of learning for me. If you imagine every minute in the video is worth 1.5 hours or 1.5 hours of my time, I very much hope this ratio becomes better within a short time, so otherwise I cannot fulfill it again. So, but I would be happy to receive your feedback, not only for this episode, but let me get your impressions for this episode and the video. You will find the link in the show notes too. Give it a try. And if you do enjoy it, give me a thumbs up there. This was the 52nd episode of the Mastering Embedded Systems podcast. You'll find the show notes at usual at slash episode 52. I'm Georg Lure. Thank you for listening.